0: Hi, welcome to episode number 61 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from Today I Found Out. And in today's episode, you're going to learn about a Japanese man who spent decades in the jungle conducting guerrilla warfare despite the fact that the Second World War had been over for a very long time. There isn't a bonus fact in today's episode. Just before we get started with the show, I'd like to mention that this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use the one-word offer code dailyknowledge. Now, this podcast is produced by todayifoundout.com, one of the most popular daily knowledge websites on the internet with around 2 million visitors per month. So it's fair to say we do know a fair bit about websites. Before accepting this sponsorship, we looked into Squarespace in great detail and can say that it's a really great service. It's ridiculously easy to use and you can just drag and drop everything until it looks just perfect on your site. Even if you have no idea what you're doing from a technical standpoint, you're still going to be able to create a beautiful looking website that's also really functional. And if you do struggle at any point, you'll find they have amazing support operating 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So if you're looking to expand your online presence, or create a stunning online portfolio, or even open an online store, Squarespace is the place to start. It starts at just $8 a month, including covering your domain and hosting, and again, you can get 10% off if you use our offer code dailyknowledge, and there's no space between the two words there. Please check it out, and thank you for supporting our sponsors who help keep this show going. Now let's get right into today's show. The Man Who Continued Fighting World War II 29 Years After It Ended Because He Didn't know. Hiro Onoda is a Japanese citizen who originally worked at a Chinese trading company. When he was 20 years old, he was called to join the Japanese army. He promptly quit his job and headed off for training in Japan. At a certain point in his training, he was chosen to be trained at Nakano School as an Imperial Army Intelligence Officer. In this specialized military intelligence training, he was taught methods of gathering intelligence and how to conduct guerrilla warfare. He was being groomed to go in behind enemy lines and be left with small pockets of soldiers to make life miserable for Japan's enemies and gather intelligence in the process. On the 26th of December 1944, Onoda was sent to Lubang Island in the Philippines. His orders from his commanding officers, Major Yoshimi Taniguchi, were simple. You are absolutely forbidden to die by your own hand. It may take three years, it may take five, but whatever happens, we'll come back for you." Until then, so long as you have one soldier, you are to continue to lead him. You may have to live on coconuts. If that's the case, live on coconuts. Under no circumstances are you to give up your life voluntarily. Anoda then linked up with Japanese soldiers already on the island. Shortly thereafter, the island was overrun by enemy troops when other officers that were already on the island refused to help fulfill part of the orders that Anoda was given to destroy the harbor and airfields, among other things. This made it easier for the Allied forces to conquer the island, landing on the 28th of February 1945. Shortly after the island was conquered, the remaining Japanese soldiers split up into small groups of three or four and headed into the jungle. Most of these small groups were quickly killed off. Onoda's group, though, consisting of himself, Yuchi Akatsu, Siochi Shimada, and Kinzichi Kazuka were not. They continued to use guerrilla warfare tactics to harry the enemy troops as best they could, while strictly rationing supplies including food and ammo, as well as supplementing their small rice rations with bananas, coconuts and other food from the jungle. Occasionally, they'd also perform raids on local farms when they could manage it. In October 1945, after another cell had killed a cow from a local farm for food, they came across a leaflet from the local islanders to them saying, The war ended on August 15th. Come down from the mountains. The few remaining cells discussed this leaflet extensively, but eventually decided that it was Allied propaganda trying to get them to give themselves up. They felt there was no way that Japan could have lost so quickly since the time they were deployed. Indeed, this would seem strange to anyone who had no knowledge of the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Also, another one of the cells had been fired upon just a few days before. They felt that this wouldn't have happened if the war was over. Near the end of the same year, local islanders, fed up with being shot at and raided, got a Boeing B-17 to drop leaflets all over the jungle. These leaflets had the order to surrender printed on them from General Yamashita. The few remaining cells, once again, scrutinized these leaflets to try and determine their authenticity. In the end, the wording on the leaflet pertaining to the method with which they would be sent back to Japan seemed fishy to them, largely because the wording made it seem as if Japan had lost, something they couldn't fathom and which was such a big problem in their willingness to accept the war had ended. If Japan had won, they would come and get them. Japan couldn't lose. So the war must still be going. So they once again believed it was the Allies, tired of the successful guerrilla tactics trying to trick them into surrender. When this didn't work, more leaflets were dropped with newspapers from Japan, photographs and leaflets from the soldiers' families, delegates were sent from Japan and went through the jungle speaking over loudspeakers, begging the soldiers to give themselves up. In every case the cells encountered, there was always something suspicious in their minds about the way it was done to cause them to believe it was an elaborate hoax by the Allied troops. Years passed in the jungle, with these four soldiers continuing to perform their sworn duty of harrying the enemy at every opportunity and gather intelligence as best they could. At a certain point, when most everybody they saw was dressed in civilian clothing, they began thinking this too was a ruse from the Allied forces to lull the Japanese guerrilla soldiers into a false sense of confidence. They considered the fact that every time they fired on these civilians, shortly thereafter, search parties would arrive hunting them. Over time, they had gradually let their solitude twist their minds into thinking everyone was an enemy, even their own fellow Japanese, who would occasionally come and try to get them to come home. These, in their minds, were Japanese prisoners forced to come and lure them from the safety of the jungle. After about five years in the jungle, Akatsu decided he would surrender, but didn't tell the other three soldiers. So, in 1949, he slipped away from the others, and after six months alone in the jungle, was able to successfully surrender to what he thought were Allied troops. Because of this event, Anoda Cell became even more cautious and went into deeper hiding and took fewer risks as they viewed Akatsu leaving as a security threat. What if he was captured, they thought. About five years later, another of the small group, Shimada, was killed at a skirmish on the beach at Gontin. There were now only two, Amoda and Kazuka. For about seventeen more years, the two lived in the jungle, gathering intelligence as best they could and attacking what they thought were enemy troops when they could risk it. They were still convinced that eventually Japan would dispatch more troops, and they would then train these soldiers in guerrilla warfare and use the intelligence they had gathered to retake the island. After all, their orders were to stay put and do as they had done until their commanding officer came and got them, and their commanding officers had promised to do so no matter what. In October 1972, after 27 years of hiding, Kazuka was killed during a fight with a Filipino patrol. The Japanese had thought he had already died, they didn't think he could have survived so long in the jungle. But now when they had Kazuka's body, they began thinking perhaps anoda was also still alive even though he had also long since been declared dead. The Japanese then sent a search party to try to find anoda in the jungle. Unfortunately, he was too good at hiding with 27 years of practice. They could not find him. Anoda continued his mission. Finally, in 1974, a college student, Nario Suzuki, decided to travel the world. Among his list of things to do on his journey was to find Anoda, a panda, and the abominable snowman. He traveled to the island and trekked through the jungle searching for signs of Anoda. Shockingly, where literally thousands of others through the last 29 years had failed, Suzuki succeeded. He found Anoda's dwelling place and Anoda himself. He then proceeded to try to convince Anoda to come home with him. Anoda refused. His commanding officers had said they would return for him no matter what. He would not surrender nor believe the war was over until they returned and ordered him to do so. At this point, he would not have been allowed to simply go home. He would be required to surrender and throw himself on the mercy of the enemy. Over the years, he had been too successful at using the guerrilla tactics he had mastered, killing 30 Filipinos and injuring over 100 others, as well as destroying various crops and the like, for almost three decades. Suzuki then traveled back to Japan with the news he had found Inoda. Major Taniguchi, now retired and working at a bookstore, was then brought back to the island and to Inoda to tell him that Japan had lost the war and he was to give up his weapons and surrender to the Filipinos. As you might expect, after living in the jungle, doing what he thought was his duty helping Japan, now only turning out to be wasting 29 years of his life, and worse, killing and injuring innocent civilians, this came as a crushing blow to Anoda. As he later stated, "'We really lost the war? How could they have been so sloppy?' Suddenly, everything went black. A storm raged inside me. I felt like a fool for having been so tense and cautious on the way here. Worse than that, I'd been doing it for all these years.' Gradually, the storm subsided, and for the first time, I really understood. My thirty years as a guerrilla fighter for the Japanese army were abruptly finished. This was the end. I pulled back the bolt on my rifle, and unloaded the bullets. I eased off the pack I always carried with me, and laid the gun on top of it. Would I really have no more use for this rifle that I had polished and cared for like a baby all these years, or Kazuka's rifle, which I had hidden in a crevice in the rocks? Had the war really ended thirty years ago? If it had, what had Shimada and Kazuka died for? If what was happening was true, wouldn't it have been better if I had died with them? On March the 10th, 1975, at the age of fifty-two, Anoda, in full uniform that was somehow still immaculately kept, marched out of the jungle and surrendered his samurai sword to the Philippine president, Ferdinand Marcos. Marcos, in a very unpopular move in the Philippines but immensely celebrated in Japan, pardoned Anoda for his crimes, given that Onoda had thought he was still at war the entire time. Anoda temporarily returned to Japan, but was unhappy that many of the traditional Japanese virtues he cherished, such as patriotism, were virtually non-existent in the culture. Indeed, in his view, Japan now kowtowed to the rest of the world and had lost its pride and sense of itself. So he moved to Brazil and used his back pay to buy himself a ranch there and eventually married. However, after reading about a Japanese teenager who had murdered his own parents in 1980, Anoda became even more distressed at the state of his country and young people in Japan. He then returned to Japan in 1984, establishing a nature school for young people where he could teach them various survival techniques and teach them how to be more independent and better Japanese citizens. Onoda ultimately lived to the ripe old age of 91, dying on January 16th, 2014. You just listened to the Today I Found Out Daily Knowledge podcast. This podcast is brought to you by squarespace.com, where you can find everything you need to easily create a high quality website without all the hassle and time normally needed to do that. Remember to use the one word discount code, daily knowledge, to get 10% off when you sign up at squarespace.com. Thanks for supporting the show